All right, we're going to go into our time of scripture reading, which comes from Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 32 through 40. We're going to read this in the ESV. There are ESV Bibles that are uh, under your seats if you are here in person. If you're joining us from home, uh, we encourage you to look up the scripture because sometimes it might be kind of hard to read on, depending on how big your screen is. Uh, we will project it, uh, but we'll give you a chance to look up the scripture as well. Again, it's Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 32 through 40. And once you're ready to read the scripture, if you could please stand as able for the reading of God's word. And I'll read the scripture for us, and we'll all respond with thanks be to God at the end. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us. I really, really apologize to anyone at home who was listening with uh, <laughs> earpods or something like that. I'm so sorry about that. Uh, okay, may the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us today. For as now of the days that are past, which were before you, since the day that God created man on the earth, and as from one end of heaven to the other, whether such a great thing as this has ever happened or was ever heard of, did any people ever hear the voice of a God speaking out of the midst of the fire as you have heard and still live? Or has any God ever attempted to go and take a nation for himself from the midst of another nation by trials, by signs, by wonders, and by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, and by great deeds of terror, all of which the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes? To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord is God. There is none besides him. Out of heaven he lets you hear his voice, that he might discipline you. And on earth he lets you see his great fire, and you heard his words out of the midst of the fire. And because he loved your fathers and chose their offspring after them, and brought you out of Egypt with his own presence, by his great power, driving out before you nations greater and mightier than you, to bring you in, to give you their land for an inheritance, as it is this day. Know therefore today, and lay it to your heart, that the Lord is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. There is no other. Therefore you shall keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you, and that you may prolong your days in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for all time. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Today's message is called the historical word. We're talking about the word of God. This is kind of our Advent series as we uh, approach Christmas. And we talked last week about this question of how do we hear God? And we talked about some ways that that can happen. Uh, but we, we also uh, acknowledge that often God speaks through scripture. And that is a very important way that God speaks. But I do want to acknowledge that for a lot of people today, uh, the Bible can be somewhat uh, difficult to, to, uh, to decipher at times or difficult to know what to do with it because the Bible, as many of us know, uh, has been written over thousands of years and uh, is quite old, right? Um, was definitely not written in modern times. And I think especially with the Old Testament, I think sometimes we struggle with what to do with that, particularly the law, 
right? Because there are 600-some-odd laws and commandments and different statutes and uh, things about how we should live, but also how we're supposed to worship. And I think, you know, for uh, believers uh, of Christ, for people who ascribe to what we call the new covenant, um, th- there's this sense in which the law doesn't apply, at least not in the same way that it did for the people of Israel. And so sometimes we're just kind of like, okay, but which ones do you follow and which ones do you don't? And when do you look at it as, hey, this is like, you know, something that God spoke to these people, but, you know, really does that apply to us today? And we might have these kinds of questions. And so uh, I I know this is kind of a big topic and we're not going to be able to maybe fully answer it, but I want to kind of take a shot at it a little bit, uh, that that it might be helpful for us and how we learn to listen to God and how we can, can discern God's will uh, as we read scripture. But I also just want to acknowledge, maybe just kind of pause here for a moment, that I know not every denomination or church or pastor or scholar or theologian is of the same mind when it comes to scripture. And so you might hear some things this morning that you're not, you don't necessarily agree with because that's not the way that uh, your church or your tradition kind of teaches about scripture. And that is okay. I kind of love that at LGM, uh, we, we can kind of have like a big tent. Um, you know, we, we can hopefully agree uh, a major on the majors and minor on the minors, right? That, that the things that are most important, we can say, yeah, you know, Jesus is Lord, right? That, that we believe in what Jesus did for us on the cross. And some of these big things, we're like, yes, completely, 100% agree. And then maybe there's some other things that we're just still in process and we're still trying to figure out, right? And so that, that's what I want to do with you this morning. And so I just kind of ask that you just be open. And if there's something that doesn't agree with you, just, just note that. Just note that. You don't have to necessarily fight it or, you know, um, and you don't necessarily have to agree with me. But just note it, you know, and, and maybe just at least listen to, 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 what is, is, uh, to what I'm presenting this morning. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, you know, this is in Deuteronomy, which is in the midst of what, what is called the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, uh, sometimes called the law. And so whenever you see in the New Testament, uh, and, and oftentimes in the Old Testament too, when it says the law, what they actually mean is the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, where a lot of the laws are. And so this is... Uh, uh, you know, before some more commandments and statutes are going to be given. Uh, but already there has been a lot that's been given in the Torah uh, from God through Moses and Aaron. And uh, so, you know, this is the tail end of it that we read, where it says, Know therefore today and lay it to your heart that the Lord is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. There is no other. There is this sense in which God is holy, right? God is is powerful. God saved them out of the hands of Egypt. He showed them these miracles, and he has been speaking to them, right, through the fire, right, through the, the, the pillar of fire, and also through um, the, 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 the fire that was burning in, in the midst of that bush as, as God spoke to Moses, right? God has been speaking to this people, and that is something that they do not take for granted. It's a very special thing. 
and so it says, therefore, you shall keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you, and that you may prolong your days in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for all time. We're going to go into this a little bit more, but this idea that God is giving uh, these commands to the people of Israel because he loves them, right? He's not trying to punish them, right? And I just want to get that clear because I think sometimes we feel like God is speaking to us and we're like, God, can you not? I, I kind of didn't want to hear that because I kind of just want to do whatever I want to do. But God it has already shown his goodness and faithfulness and his love to the people of Israel, right? You know, that, that he didn't save them just so he could torture them. Right? He wants them to prosper. He wants them to be his people and his representatives on earth. Right? And so he wants them to know his mind and his heart. That's why he gives his word. Right? That's why he gives them these different commandments and statutes. Right? But friends, I do want to also recognize something. And so uh, some of the points I'm going to make today are a little bit longer and there's nuance there. So I'm going to put them on the screen. And so usually, you know, I like just a very short kind of like statement, and then I nuance it uh, with words, right? But I, I don't want you to get twisted on this, okay? So the first point I want to make is God doesn't change, okay? Just want to be clear. Alpha and Omega, right? He's the beginning and the end. God does not change. However, we do, right? I, I think we can be pretty clear on that, right? Can we agree on that, that we change, Right? Society has changed. History has changed. Contexts have changed. Right? I, I didn't see a lot of people uh, in, in the times of Israel, in the times of Jesus, with smartphones and social media and with cars. And, right? Like, we change. Right? And, and we as a society, we also change. Right? And so just to be clear on that, God doesn't change, but we do. And if God desires to speak into our lives for our good, you would expect that his specific words to us will change for the times, okay? So please understand that, okay? So it's not saying that God changes, but the specific word that God wants to speak into people at different moments is going to change. And the reason why I'm so careful with that is because I know that sometimes we'll say these things and we just, we just believe it, right? We just kind of swallow it whole because it sounds right, and there is something to be said that God's words are eternal in that what God spoke to those people is going to stand for those people. But is what God spoke to those people going to apply to us today? That's the question. And if you don't agree with that basic premise, well, hopefully I haven't said anything controversial yet, but just the basic premise is that if God is going to speak into our lives the word is going to have to be adjusted to the context that we're in, okay? And so, friends, um, just to, to kind of illustrate this point, I want to show you. So this is actually some of the commandments that God gave to the people of Israel after he gave the, the Ten Commandments. So where's the Ten Commandments in the Bible? Do you guys know uh, uh, the, the book and chapter? Exodus chapter 20. Just uh, We did some Bible trivia last week, and... Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that'll come up at some point. But yeah, so at Exodus 21, we are going to now get some additional commandments and additional kind of things uh, that God is giving the people. And so this is just, this is cherry-picked, but on purpose. I, I just want to show you uh, that uh, 
Yeah, just, just I, I wonder, is this word for you? Is this word for you? I, I, I want to ask that question, okay? So Exodus 21, 33 through 36. When a man opens a pit, or when a man digs a pit and does not cover it, and an ox or a donkey falls into it, the owner of the pit shall make restoration. He shall give money to its owner, and the dead beast shall be his. When one man's ox butts another so that it dies, then they shall sell the live ox and share its price. And the dead beast also they shall share. Or it is known that the ox has been accustomed to gore in the past, if it is known, sorry, that the ox has been accustomed to gore in the past, and its owner has not kept it in, he shall repay, uh, he shall repay ox for ox, and the dead beast shall be his. I kind of struggled to read that because I'm just not used to talking about oxes and bulls, right? At the end of this passage, what should we say? This is the word of God for the people of God. Is, is, is it the word for you, though? Have you ever owned an ox or a bull? Now, some of you might be saying, yeah, Pastor Steve, aren't there principles in there that can translate into our context, right? So maybe we don't have bulls and we, we don't have ox, but we have cars and we have possessions and we have dogs and cats and those kinds of things. And if someone were to accidentally hurt my dog, I hope they would pay restitution, right? I hope that they would consider that, right? And so, yeah, definitely, but you already see in that, friends, there's some interpretation going on, right? Do you, do you already see and so, again, I want to cherry pick another passage. This is in Leviticus, okay? And this is a little bit longer. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But I want you to see something. Because that part, I think, the ox and the bulls, you might be able to translate somehow. And maybe for you, you're like, Pastor Steve, I don't even know why you're talking about this. It's pretty easy to see what God is trying to say through Moses to the people, right, about respecting other people's property. But what about this one? Okay, Leviticus 13 The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron. This is the word of God to Moses and Aaron saying, when a person has on the skin of his body a swelling or an eruption or a spot, and it turns into a case of leprous disease on the skin of his body, then he shall be brought to Aaron, the priest, or to one of his sons, the priests. And the priest shall examine the diseased area on the skin of his body. And if the hair in the diseased area has turned white and the disease appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a case of leprous disease. When the priest has examined him, he shall pronounce him unclean. But if the spot is white in the skin of his body and appears no deeper than the skin, and the hair in it has not turned white, the priest, sh- the priest shall shut up the diseased person for seven days. I'm going to skip down. When a man or a woman has spots on the skin of the body, white spots, the priest shall look. And if the spots on the skin of the body are of a dull white, it is leucoderma that has broken out in the skin. He is clean. If a man's hair falls out from his head, he is bald. He is clean. And if a man's hair falls out from his forehead, he has baldness of the forehead. He is clean. But if there is on the bald head or the bald forehead a reddish-white diseased area, it is a leprous disease breaking out on his bald head or his bald forehead. Then the priest shall examine him, and if the diseased swelling is reddish-white on his bald head or on his bald forehead, like the appearance of leprous disease in the skin of the body, he is a leprous man. He is unclean. The priest must pronounce him unclean. His disease is on his head. Mm. Mm. Amen. Right? Oh, Mm. The, the word of God for the people of God, right? Is, is this anyone's, like, like, is this your life verse? Have you heard sermons on this, on leprous disease, right? And you're like, mm, yes, yes, 
God, let it be so. Have you had to study this passage and read it in detail? Friends, I'm not trying to make fun. I'm just trying to point out that this word was not for you. Not you personally, right? It was for the people of Israel at a very specific time. And there is a reason for it. It's good. It's a really good word. Because back then, they didn't have doctors and hospitals the way we do, right? And they didn't know what to do when there would be certain things that broke out on people's skin. And maybe some people, they kind of freaked out. And it's kind of cool, right, that God actually shows them how to quarantine people, right? We think it's a very modern concept, but they've been doing it like since the ancient times, right? And this was for the good of the people, right? You can try to read into this and find some very detailed spiritual meaning, but I think the meaning is pretty clear. God was looking out for the health and the bodies of his people during a time when they did not have sophisticated medical care, right? Now, should all of us be inspecting each other now? If you read this now in 2022 in Michigan, in America, with all the health care we have, and should we all be inspecting our bald spots? And should we all be looking at each other because it's the word of God, right? So friends, it is for our good, right? I, I, I want us to hear that, right? But it was spoken in a very specific time and place and context. And by the way, even for Jewish people, uh, they have always recognized this. And so even, you know, you think like, it, let's say like 400 years pass from the time that this was spoken to the people of Israel. Even that 400 years, their society, their culture has completely changed. The way they read the law is completely different. And so in the Hebrew tradition, they have something called Midrash. And Midrash is interpretation of scripture, right? They, they, they look at it and there are different schools of interpretation. There are different ways of trying to apply ancient words that were written thousands of years ago to modern contexts, right? So even amongst Jewish rabbis, they have been doing this for thousands of years, right? Because they recognize that what was spoken for these people was for these people, right? It's going to be different for you now, right? So friends, again, just think about it for a moment if you don't believe me. Now think about our modern context. So in their context, things like ox and bulls and those, you know, goring people and things like that, that's like everyday life. That's so important right? If somebody gets gored by an ox, that's a bad day. That's going to take up your entire day. What do we do with the ox, right? What do we do with this person? How do we adjudicate this affair, right? It's going to take up the majority of your life. We don't have bulls and oxes anymore. So this doesn't speak to us in the same way, right? We don't have at least the leprous disease that they're describing here in the same way or these kind of skin things, right? It wasn't necessarily always leprosy, but there's something going on. And so basically what God is saying, like, if you don't know, let's quarantine these people for seven days and make sure they are okay, right? It's good wisdom that God is trying to give them to take care of them, right? And again, that's not something that necessarily is going to take up our time, although quarantine, that took up a lot of time, <laughs> right? But it's a totally different context. What about social media? 
What about our cell phones and how much we're on our cell phones? Have you read any scripture about that? Of course you haven't. Because the Bible was written thousands of years ago. They don't know anything about cell phones, right? Have you heard any scripture about the rigors of getting into graduate school or medical school or, or any of these kinds of things? Of course not, right? It's a, written in a different time, in a different context, right? And so there is this way in which I know sometimes people will say, the word of God is the word of God. No interpretation needed. And I would say, are you sure? Are you sure? Right? And, and so, so some of us, we treat the word of God like it's this static thing, this eternal word that will never change. But this is the thing, friends. God has always been speaking to us. And the way he speaks to people thousands of years ago is different than the way he speaks to us today. Not because God is different. Please, do not misunderstand me, right? Do not misunderstand me. Please do not tell anyone that Pastor Steve said God changes, right? God is the same. But his word changes, of course, just in the same way that if I was having a conversation with you when you broke up with your boyfriend or girlfriend to when you're happily married, my word is going to be different. I'm not going to say when you're happily married, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for your loss. I'm so sorry this is happening to you. Like, what are you talking about? I'm happily married. My word changed, right? There's nothing wrong with the word changing because we change, because our context changes, right? And, and I think some people, they, they really misunderstand that, right? I'll give you an example, real quick example. So the people of Israel, they were in a time of war, right? I, I've talked about this before, but Seriously, we have not learned our lesson from this, right? And if you don't believe me, look at our history of what Christians have done. So there there was a time where people, they lived in the wilderness, right? And there were other nations who wanted to obliterate the people of Israel. And so in the name of God, right, by God's word, they would fight back, right? And they would fight these wars and they would kill people, right? Right? And then Jesus comes along, and Jesus is the ultimate pacifist, right? Jesus is taken and arrested, and his disciples start fighting back, right? Peter cuts off the high priest's servant's ear, and Jesus says, no, put down the sword. This is not a violent rebellion, right? You can take me in. Jesus talks about things like, like, you know, eye for, like you have heard it said, eye for an eye, cheek, uh, uh, eye for an eye uh, uh, tooth for a tooth, all this kind of thing, right? But I say that if someone slaps you on the cheek, you turn the other cheek to them. These are the things Jesus taught for a different time, for a new kind of covenant, right? So if you are a nation and you want to wage war on someone, who are you going to quote? Which scripture are you going to look at and say, this is the eternal word of God? This is spoken to me. Mm. You're going to look at the warlike passages, aren't you? You're going to look at that and you're going to say, yeah, that's my speed, right? Mm. Yes, we're going to kill the infidels, right? And so, friends, we have to understand that the word of God, it is changing because we change, right? There's nothing wrong with that. It is eternal for the time that it was spoken, Right? And so, again, if this is making you feel uncomfortable, it is not to say that God can't speak through ancient words that were spoken in a different context, but it's going to take some interpretation. Does that make sense? 
Yeah? We okay with that? If you're not okay with that, don't worry about it. In, in terms of, oh, okay, I'm not saying don't worry about it, but we, we can talk more, right? Like, like we, we don't have to solve all this now, but definitely if you want to have words with me later or you disagree, you want to write an angry email, let's, can we just have a conversation instead of an angry email <laughs> if you don't agree with that, okay? Uh, so next point, God's words, even commandments that prohibit or restrict us are meant for our benefit, for our good, in our flourishing, right? So this is the last verse uh, that we read in that Deuteronomy 4 uh, passage. Therefore you shall keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you, and that you may prolong your days. And so, friends, there is this way that we think of these two things as being separate. It's for God or it's for people. And, and a lot of people, they, they, they see these as these kind of polar opposites. But the way that it's usually presented in Scripture is, yes, primarily God is telling you because he's God and you should listen to him, right? You know, and, and yes, God wants God to be glorified. And it's not because God is this, you know, huge egomaniac, but because the life of worshiping God is the right kind of life. If God is the most glorious thing in the universe then we should recognize that. The, the world is better. Our lives are better when we glorify God, when we put God in his proper place, right? And so we're not saying that God wants us to be happy in this kind of like very modern sense of being happy. The modern sense of being happy is even if I want to be unhappy, that somehow is making me happy. So don't tell me what to do. If I want to be unhappy, just leave me alone, right? And, and so in some weird way, we have kind of like put freedom above everything else. And so there are people who are very, very unhappy because they chose that. They didn't mean to get there, but they don't want anyone to tell them what to do, right? And so we make these choices and we just do what we want and we do what our emotions are telling us to do. We do what our hormones are telling us to do. We're, we're just following the flesh and it leads to disaster. That's not what I'm saying, right? Sometimes people will say these things, well, hey, God wants us to be happy, so I think I know best how to be happy. That's not the story of Scripture. The story of Scripture is God knows best how to, to make you prosper. And so listening to God is going to give you the best possible life. Why? Because God designed you, and God loves you. If God didn't love you, he never would have created you, right? And so God knows best how it is for you to live. And so his commandments are meant for your flourishing, for your good, right? And, and God being glorious and us living flourishing lives, those are not mutually exclusive things. Both of those things can be true, right? And so we want to keep that in mind, okay? But this last point, right, is where we kind of bring these th things together, okay? So on the, on the one hand, the historical word, it, is, it was not always for us, not specifically, without interpretation, okay? We got that? And then the second point is that when God speaks to us, it is for our good, and he does want to speak to you, right? And so he's continuing to speak to us. So how do we bridge this gap? So the third point, we need the indwelling of a Holy Spirit, the spirit of love and peace to help us to hear the word for us properly in our given time and circumstances. I've shared this story before, but I think it bears repeating. There's a guy, Bill Mayer, who's very, very critical. He's this kind of comedian, but also he's, he's a, a political uh, critic, and 
he's very, very critical of religion. And he loves nothing more than bashing Christians and bashing people of belief. And there was, uh, so he used to have this show where he would bring on someone very, very liberal, someone very, very conservative, and then he would bring on a random celebrity. I don't know why. That was just the structure of the show, maybe just to get people to watch. And so uh, there was one time where he brought in this very, very conservative preacher, and uh, they were talking about the Bible, the Word of God, right? And so, you know, Bill Mayer is saying all this stuff about the Bible that was just made up by humans and that it's just this, this historical document that doesn't apply to us today, and the, the, the pastor is getting angry. And the pastor says this thing that is supposed to shut up people like Bill Mayer. And he says this thing, he's like, well, have you actually read it? And Bill Mayer looks him in the eye, and he says, I've read it many times. And the the pastor literally had nothing to say, (laughs) because he thought that was going to shut him up, right? Now, you might be saying, okay, so there's this guy who hates Christianity, doesn't think God is real, and he's read the Bible over and over and over. So my question for you is, was it enough? Was it the word of God in Bill Mayer's hands? It was just words in Bill Mayer's hands, right? Bill Mayer is reading the scripture with a different kind of spirit. Definitely with a critical spirit, probably. I mean, you know, I don't know for sure. I don't know how objective one can be when you already hate religion, right? But somebody who already hates religion has decided that God isn't real. When they read the Bible, it's not the word of God for them. It's not. Then for them, they're reading it as this historical document, right? When does it become the word of God? And I think actually most people, right, like it would rebut Bill Mayer in this way. They're like, well, Bill, you can't just read the Bible like you read any other book. Oh, you can't, right? What, what happened to all this sola scriptura stuff, right? This is what people have said during the Reformation, Right? They're like scripture alone. And I know what they mean. I know what they mean. So please don't get it twisted. I'm not trying to criticize that too much. But I think that that statement, scriptura sola, or sola scriptura, only scripture, that's all we need. Well, that's what Bill Mayer had. He had scripture. And it wasn't enough for him. Right? So clearly we need something else. Right? Haven't there been people who've read the Bible who even like profess to be Christians, but the way they read it, they read it in a really misogynistic way. They read the Bible and it gives them permission to do whatever they want to their wives, right? To to really just abuse them. And, you know, they're like, hey, I'm the head. That's what it says, right? There are people who have used the Bible to, to justify all kinds of terrible things, slavery and all this stuff. They're like, well, hey, it talks about slavery in the Bible. Right? But friends, remember, remember, when it talks about slavery in the Bible, it doesn't say, you shall own slaves forever. God never says that. It says, treat your slaves well. That's what it says. And so people have taken that, they're like, well, it's the eternal word of God. So if they had slaves in the Bible, and it's the eternal word of God, then I guess we get to have slaves forever. And by the way, it was a different context of slavery. Right? What existed in this country is what we call chattel slavery. We treated slaves as if they were subhuman. In some biblical contexts, the way they treated slaves, sometimes the slaves would live with them. 
right? And they would actually treat them very well. They didn't see them as, as, as just things. They didn't see them as subhuman, right? And so it was a different kind of slavery. So again, context. All of these things matter. And so if you just take what it says about slaves in one context and you bring it into another context, it doesn't quite work. That word wasn't for them. It wasn't for slave owners in 1800s America. Does that make sense? Yeah? And so, friends, we need something else. We need the Holy Spirit, right? And it needs to be a spirit of love and peace. And the reason why I say that is because this is where God is ultimately bringing us, right? That he wants to bring us to a place where we're loving God and we're loving neighbor and we know who's in control. Many people who have felt out of control and they've used the Bible to try to dominate people or try to control things. The Bible only works if you fully know who is ultimately in control. You're not using it for your purposes to control and so that you feel secure in putting people in their place. The Bible only works when you are in reverence to this God and you're like, God, my life is yours. God, you are holy. You are bigger. You are greater. I submit. Even if I don't like the word, I'm going to submit to it. And I'm going to submit to the greater story of what you are doing in this world, which is to bring all people to you. This is not just for my benefit. There's a, a very famous evangelical preacher who actually used the verse that came before that, that Jesus said, put away the sword. Use a verse where people said, uh, okay, um, we're going to grab swords, right? And, and, you know, I think Jesus was probably making a metaphor about swords, and they're like, oh, we got some swords here. Let's go. And they go into battle. And this evangelical preacher got up on a public stage, probably preached this many times, right? And said, see, look, Jesus said that, like, was okay with them taking up swords. Therefore, we have the right to bear arms. Therefore, gun control is just non-existent. We have to be careful, friends, what we do with this word, right? And so what we need is the Holy Spirit. So this is what it says in Ezekiel 36. It says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. And so there is this idea that we need a new kind of spirit when we read the word of God. And that's why we pray before we read the word of God. I hope whenever you read the word of God, maybe some people, they, they, they grab the Bible to prove a point. I want to encourage you, pray before you do that, okay? Pray before you start spouting off scripture to someone to, so, so that makes you look like you're right. Pray about it. Invite the Holy Spirit. Is that really what you want me to hear? Give me a new heart to hear and let it be where you want to lead me. There's more to share um, Uh, This is definitely a bigger topic, but friends, just overall, I just want us to think, what would it mean for us to walk in the Spirit like Christ, right? You know, Jesus definitely quoted Scripture, but you know who also quoted Scripture? Satan. (laughs) And so if quoting Scripture was what made you a spiritual person, uh, something doesn't fit there, right? And so Jesus definitely had the Spirit of God in the way that Satan did not, right? 
And that's what we need. We need the Spirit of God. And so, friends, I, I just want to just kind of paint this picture for us. I don't want us to just hear Scripture or just to be right or to know lots of Scripture. What I think, what, 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 what I want, and I think what God wants, is for us to walk in the Spirit of Christ. And as we learn to listen to the Word of God, as we listen, learn to follow the Word of God, as we, it's not always going to be clean, friends. I think sometimes that's what we want. And that's why some people say things like, hey, only Bible, that's, that's all I need. I don't need any of this other stuff. Right? But unfortunately, that's not the way life works because we live in a time that the Bible is not written in. Right? We need something else. We need the Holy Spirit. And that takes faith. And that takes trust. And it's messy sometimes. But I think it's a necessary messiness. I think it's a good messiness because it makes us rely on God. It makes us humble. It makes none of us completely right all the time, right? And so, praise team, would you come up? And, and I know I, I spoke a lot of words right now, and maybe some of them uh, are, are not what you've heard before. Um, I, friends, just my desire, I, I just want to come clean, you know, if I have an agenda in this, is that we learn to follow Christ. That's what I want. And Christ wants to speak into our lives. I don't want us to just use the Bible to prove text the things we already believe. I, I don't want us to um, get stuck on certain things that were written for people, you know, thousands of years ago. But I want us to be able to hear the spirit of what God is speaking to us today. So friends, um, yeah, if you would pray with me. God, help us to hear from you, Lord, through your word and through your spirit. God, we know that you are still speaking to us today. So God, give us ears to hear, not just our physical ears, not just our physical eyes and our minds as we read, but God, with our hearts. Give us new hearts, God. Give us hearts of flesh that are soft and humble and teachable, that are able to hear how the Spirit is prodding us. God, we thank you, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.